The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Be inspired, informed, motivated, and recharged on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Every day is a stellar day on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Let's get this party started. Cynthia will be back to kick it all off after this break. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel Where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, who is America's prize prophet? Who is Ivy and Bean? And what is the secret to resilient people? You're going to find the answers to these questions throughout our Power Hour today. Well, hello, all my party partners, and welcome to Radio's Finest Show, dedicated to books and authors. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and my name is Cynthia Bryan. Heather Brittany is not with us this afternoon, but we'll be back again next week. I am thrilled, as always, to be your personal growth success coach here on the airwaves with you to help inspire and motivate you to be the star you already are. We are a show about following your heart, doing what you love. We want you to live your dreams. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the star of your own life. 
And for more information on getting your private consultation or a session over the phone, call 925-377-7827. This is by Samuel Grafton. A penny will hide the biggest star in the universe if you hold it close enough to your eye. Think about that. (laughs) Sometimes we have to distance ourselves from things so that we can see the forest for the trees. I know especially in times like these when it's a little bit tough, that is... um, that that's the way to that is just the way to do it. Anyway, what is a resilience and what is your ability to rebound? I'm going to be talking about that in the first segment here. But first of all, I wanted just to give a couple of announcements. The essay contest, the sixth national essay contest, has been launched. It is graciously sponsored by Bill Gladstone's book, The Twelve. Do you know the movie Twenty Twelve is coming out? Well, Bill has written the book, The Twelve, so see the movie, but read the book. It's a little different take on what's going to happen in 2012. The essay contest is about who is your role model, and you have a couple of months now to get your uh, submission in. An essay only has to be 300 words. You have the opportunity to win $100, to win some books, uh, and to get a copy, uh, an autographed copy of the bestseller, The Twelve as well as an interview here on the radio and publication of your essay. So go to bethestarur.org, look on the column that says Write, and when you click there, you'll get to Essays, and click on the Essay for 2009. The guidelines are there, and then you can send your email to us, or you can go ahead and send it to Cynthia at star-style.com, Cynthia at hot star hyphenstyle.com all spelled out, and we'll get you involved in it. It's going to be lots of fun. You can attach your essay in, the, in your email, so you can either paste it in the body of the email or send it by attachment. Not a problem. So that's the first one. The second one is, as we're going into the holiday season, we are doing our book drive, and we are donating lots and lots of books to charities and groups and organizations for a small donation of $99 to Be The Star You Are charity, and again, you can go to bethestarur.org, and for $99, Be The Star You Are volunteers will ship a brand-new box of books that are valued at five to $600 to the cause, the school, the charity of your choice. So it's such an incredible win, 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 win. You get a tax write-off. Somebody will get brand new books that you know that they probably didn't have access to or couldn't afford, and the charity is help, happy to help. So everything again is at the charity website, be the star you are dot org. You can send donations to PO Box three seven six, Moraga, California nine four five five six. A two more announcements is that be the star you are for teens contributors to the book. We are doing lots and lots of events and have lots of speaking engagements. If you would like any of the contributors to appear in your area, please make sure to give a call to the offices, 925-377-7827, or send an email. But this uh, coming week, where we have a couple of uh, events. One is at the GBOP store, and the great thing about it is if you buy a copy of the book at the store, they're going to give you 15% off of anything in stock. So that's pretty cool. And also, that's just, it's just a great book for the holidays for not only teens in your life, but for parents and grandparents and anyone else that you think just wants to be inspired. What's really worth finding very interesting about the book is besides teens loving it, 
we're really finding that adults love it. And so many adults are writing to us and saying, you know, you've hit the nail on the head. I'm not a teen anymore, but it reawakened the teen within me, and I'm able to relive my life in a more positive way. So I thought that was really a very, very cool way of looking at it. Well, now I'd like to talk to you about the secrets of resilient people because everybody goes through really tough times, and especially now it seems that more and more of us are going through really challenging times. And some people just know how to navigate them better, but how do they do it? Well, what is resilience? People ask that all the time. I like to say, how high can you bounce? Because I had uh, a good friend who actually was the person inspirational to me to get me writing my first book, Roger Crawford, and he wrote a book of that title called How High Can You Bounce? And it was about meeting life's challenges head-on and just taking the high road. So resilience is really the ability to rebound quickly from a crisis or any kind of trauma. Now, what, what is it that you need? What is the ability to rebound Well, highly resilient people, they just don't fall apart, at least not for long. They'll call on their inner strengths, and they recruit outside resources to keep them moving forward. It doesn't mean that you don't get down and get get frustrated or even depressed a bit, but when you're resilient, you learn to tweak your future expectations to fit your new reality, even if it is the loss of a loved one or a life-challenging diagnosis or a devastating financial blow or the loss of a job. I mean, all these things can be really horrible. Resilient people are kind of like trees bending in the wind. They basically just bounce back. Resiliency has become really a hot topic lately, and especially, you know, in light of all the tragedies that we have had and natural disasters and just plain disasters since 9-11, you know, with Hurricane Katrina, the economic downturn, the tsunamis. It just seems there's been floods and challenges for many, many people. And while there's still so much to learn, if you start doing the research, scientists agree that resilience varies from person to person, and it has a genetic component, though. Recent studies are showing that certain genes may protect you against the emotional backdrop of trauma. Now, some people are just naturally more resilient than other people. It is something that we possibly are born with. However, if you weren't born with it, like almost any behavior, resilience can be learned. And this is really critical. In fact, research is showing that resilient people share some common qualities, and these are some ones that you can cultivate and become a master of any crisis doesn't mean that you welcome crises into your life, but you become a master of it. And, and before I give you these tips, I can just share a little story from my own personal life. Um, and many years ago, we, well, when, we first got, when I first got married, our dream was always to build our house. Well, it took quite a few years, but we finally built what we thought was our dream house and hired the contractor who was well-respected, etc., And after a number of years, we started having a lot of dry rot and things in the house. The contractor just would always say, oh, it was, he'd make an excuse. Well, it turned out it it wasn't any excuse. It was something that he had done incorrectly. But there's a law in California. If you let it, if you don't get it fixed before 10 years, then whoever built the house is no longer liable. Well, this is what this guy was doing. He was pretty much a scam artist and just tried to get us past the 10 years and then let it go. It turned out that he had not put any, 
sheathing on our roofs or in between the wood and um, the drywall, and the house was literally rotting between the walls from the outside in, and it it turned out to be a very, very expensive fix. We couldn't sell the house. We couldn't do anything, and we had to literally tear off all the walls on uh, all the exterior of our entire house, take out all the windows, all the doors, and it was more expensive than building a new house. When when we finally got all the numbers in, it was so devastating. I just, I literally fell apart and had one day where I just couldn't even take it. It was so depressing. And then I discovered my inner resilience and realized, okay, with this too shall pass. We're going to weather it. It's going to be really expensive, but we're going to make it through. We just have to decide we're going to do it. And that's what resilience is. And it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't anything I wanted to do, but... We did bounce back, and now the place has been fixed for a couple of years. It looks great. You'd never know that anything had happened. And we did survive it. So that is the key about resilience is that you do survive the bad times. You just have to find a way, and usually you have to let go first. But here are a few things that you can do is stay connected. Resilient people rely on others to help them survive some of the hard times and the tough times. What they'll do is... They'll have, they might have a turning point, but research bears out the importance of connection. In a study of 243 caregivers in British Columbia and Canada, for example, those who reported good social support scored higher on measures of quality of life and well-being, regardless of what kind of burden they carried. The second thing is to be optimistic. You know, even though you have that depressed time like I did, I fell apart for a few hours, I realized, all right, there's only one place to go and up is up because there really wasn't another choice in that unless I wanted to live on the street. So people who have a sunny outlook do better at managing stress. Another study um, at the University of San Francisco concluded that those who found positive meaning in their lives were less likely to become depressed after someone dies or after a loss. So don't fret if you lack a glass half full just decide that you're going to learn to see a glass as half full. And the first step is to observe what's going on. Don't put a spin on it. Realize it for what it is, uh, but decide to take the high road. Spiritual people, people who actually give it away to God or a higher level or a higher source, they do better too, so they can lift the depression. And that is a good thing if to be spiritual and to be playful. Resilient people enjoy themselves like children, and they wonder about things, they experiment, they laugh a lot. So consider being playful and having a little bit more fun, and then hopefully you'll be more resilient. Now, you can take this little resilience test and rate yourself on how resilient are you. Are you usually upbeat? Oh, and I guess I should tell you, do it on a scale of one to five, with five being that you strongly agree. Are you upbeat? Do you see difficulties as temporary and expect to overcome them? Can you tolerate high levels of ambiguity and uncertainty about situations? In other words, are you flexible and are you comfortable with you know, any kind of paradoxical traits that you might have? Third is how quickly can you adapt to new developments? Are you curious? Do you ask questions? And do you find humor in the rough situations and can you laugh at yourself? And do you learn lessons from your experiences and from the experience of others? How good are you at solving problems? Do you have a a strength about you? Are you durable? Do you think that you hold up during tough times? And if you've converted misfortune into good luck and found the benefits 
and bad experiences give yourself a total score. And so if the higher your score, obviously, the more resilient you are. And the more resilient you are, the higher that you can bounce. So we hope that you'll be resilient and bounce back and know that tough times never last, but tough people do. Be a tough person. Well, when we return from our break, you're going to meet the New York Times best-selling children's author, Annie Barrows, with her newest book in the series of Ivy and Bean. It's called Doom to Dance, and this is a fun, fun book. You're going to meet Ivy and Bean, two friends who never meant to like each other, but somehow they do. I'm Cynthia Bryant. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in just a bit. Stay with us. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. You already know the adage that 20% of your customers provide 80% of your revenue to your business. Well, whether it is key people, clients, customers, vendors, or operations, one day you may need to purge the pot. How do you know when to say goodbye, and how do you still remain on good terms? I call this the bye-bye baby formula. Review your company's focus annually to stay in tune with your evolution. Take an active role by communicating clearly. Tell them that you want to meet their expectations, but you no longer can. Be professional. Set reasonable time frames, raise prices, or give ample notice of proposed changes. Be polite and courteous. Refer them to a replacement that you trust. Preserve goodwill by checking in with them after the business relationship has ended. You may need to say bye-bye, baby, but you don't want bad-mouthing going on. By taking a proactive approach, your customers will know that they are valued, even though it's time to part company. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. For more information on getting a consultation, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR. Are you wondering how to jumpstart your life while bringing more excitement and joy into every moment? Join the Goddess Gals, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, each week on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You'll hear from the experts and authors that inspire and motivate you to be your greatest, unique self. Plus, in Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew, Cynthia and Heather tackle the topics and tips that make a difference. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio, Studio. Studio A.
God says it rains good and bad on the Christian, just as it rains on the non-Christian. We're all guaranteed a little of life's madness. Some of you have a deeper degree of madness than others. Let Walking Through the Madness with host Maia J help you with that madness. By watching others and experiencing the issues firsthand, Maia J is here to bring a method to your madness. So bring the madness on, whether it's money, love, sickness, family, or life. Walking Through the Madness broadcasts live every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hey there. Thank you so much for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My purpose is always to provide you this radio program to help you communicate that you already possess everything you need to be the producer, the writer, the director, and, of course, the star of your own life. We have three rules. Smile, have fun, be wild and wacky. And, of course, we want you to read some good books. And for a woman who was a terrible speller as a child and who didn't particularly like the stories she wrote, we've got a great author for you today. Annie Barrows has become the super achiever of books for kids. Everyone loves her Ivy and Bean series, and Annie is with us today to talk about 500 years of ballet lessons that doomed her to dance. Welcome, Annie, to Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia. Hi. Hello. I just finished reading Ivy and Beans, The New Doomed to Dance, and just love how your characters' voices just shine through, just like real kids do. I wanted to start off, but where did the idea for this uh, series come from? Well, it came from, really, from my older daughter, who at the age of six and a half sort of ran out of things to read. And, um, you know, she wasn't really ready for big, long chapter books, but she definitely was um, past the picture book stage. And I thought, my gosh, my poor kid, she's she doesn't have anything to read. Somebody should do something about this. And then I thought, but wait, I'm a writer. <laughs> I could do something about this. I um, can do this. Yeah, so I, I can fix this problem. So I, uh, I wrote, I wrote the kind of book I thought she would like, which is a book about kids who are living lives that were a lot like hers. Um, uh, kids who had great imaginations and had a lot of fun together and, um, you know, uh, lived their their imaginative vision. So that's that was the that was my goal um, at the beginning, and then it just sort of kept on going because there were just so many stories to tell. Well, and I think the fun thing about it is is that the characters are probably a compilation of lots of people that you know or grew up with, or maybe your children's yeah, friends. Right. But, mm-hmm. but they are 
so individual and so real. I mean, you just, I just was so into their heads and their rooms, and I was with them at every step of the way. I mean, mm, you really did a great job of making them real kids. Well, I think you can, you can tell that I spend a lot of time with kids. Right. Um, yeah, they're, the, the girls themselves, as well as all the little kids who are sort of milling around the neighborhood, are based on the kids that I see every day. Um, I I have two daughters of my own, um, and my youngest one is nine, so I'm spending a lot of time on the playground just kind of listening to what kids are talking about, and I, I suck it all up like a vacuum cleaner, and right. I use it well, again in my do, books. Do any kids come up to you and say, oh, I read the book, and I'm in that book? I mean, yeah. do they see themselves in it? <laughs> yes. There are a couple of kids um, who have said, you got that from me, and I say, <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> and usually it makes them really happy. They're usually happy. Yeah. You don't have parents coming and saying, you wrote about my child. No, the parent, it's only words that I take. I don't use names. I just take words and phrases, um, like the phrase easy peasy, which is uh-huh. something that Ivy and Bean say all the time. It's from a little girl I know who used to say it um, in gymnastics class. And so it's just a couple of words, but it well, makes and, all the difference. You no, know, don't you? I just remember a lot of people saying things like that, and this is what I love about it is, is that when I'm around kids, they do sound like both Ivy and Bean. Yep. Well, how many books now are in the series? The new one is The Doom to Dance. What are there about six? Yes, the, the Doom to Dance is the sixth one six. in the series. Um, there, there's, I've already written the seventh one, so there are going to be more, but right now we've got six out in the world. Wonderful, wonderful. And, of course, the illustrations are just beautiful, too, and this, the illustrations are by uh, Sophie Blackall. That's right. She's so wonderful. Um, her, she really captures the girls. She seems to know them from the inside out, and I'm so lucky that she's illustrating the books. It's very, very fun, Very, just totally fun. Well, this Doom to Dance, I love the fact at the back of the book when you put your bio that you suffered through 500 <laughs> years, or it felt like 500 years, of ballet dancing. It's so uh, did you ever get to play a squid? No, I was never a squid. Um, that part I made up. What the, My horrible humiliation was that I was cast as a nougat, a nougat in a ballet about candy, which was so incredibly embarrassing. I don't think I've ever recovered from it. <laughs> um, unlike Ivy and Bean, I couldn't find a way out of it. Um, I didn't try to break my arms or anything like that, so I, I went through with it. Um, but the the, uh, the the when I was thinking about the book, I was reminded of of how I got into ballet, and it was exactly like Ivy and Bean. I saw this beautiful book about ballerinas, and I thought it would be tutus and toe shoes instantly. So I signed up for ballet lessons, and then I realized that it was this long, torturous road full of plies and, you know... Positions. Yeah, positions. And I just went on and on and on, and I kept thinking, where are the toe shoes? Where are the tutus? Right. And so it was very frustrating for me. And, um, you know, I know grown-ups feel like there's a lot to be gained from being patient and persevering, but most of the kids I know just want to have some toe shoes and tutus and have them fast. Yeah, and they want to just get to the end of the story. You don't want to have the work there. But this is what I love about the book. We're talking with Annie Barrows. She is the author of the series Ivy and Bean, and the new book is called Doomed to Dance. But what I thought is so terrific is, although this is all the experiences and the adventures of Ivy and Bean, there's lessons to be learned as well from the kids because I hear the mom saying, okay, you're going to sign up, but you're going to stick with it. How many times as moms have we said that? I mean, I had a rule 
into my house when my kids were young is, all right, if you're going to sign up for gymnastics, you're going to do a full season of gymnastics. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is. So you're not going to go from one thing to another. It just doesn't work that way because you can't get good at anything. No, and, and I think that was, that, of course, that was always the rule in my house, too. Um, you, you, first of all, you don't get good at anything. And second of all, if You've got to you've got to translate enthusiasm to commitment at some point. Um, it you you can't just flit from one thing to another. You know the girls find out. I've even been find out that uh, ballet isn't what they thought, but they're stuck with it, and they're they're not allowed to complain either. Which was never a rule in my house. I don't know why my mother didn't think of that. I like uh, that rule, <laughs> but I also like it that they remembered when their mother said how tele- you know she was having a terrible time making these squid costumes, and they reminded her, hey, there's no complaining yeah. in this house. <laughs> I thought Isn't that, that just like a kid? <laughs> you don't get away with much, even as a parent. <laughs> well, not in this day and age, do we? No, but I think one of the things I, I felt is the real lesson about Ivy and Bean is that they are not ashamed of what they want. They thought ballet was going to be one thing, and it turns out to be another, and so they instantly move on to try and find solutions. And, you know, their solutions are they want to try to get sick. They want to try to break their arms. They want to do anything they can not to have to be squids in a ballet. But but they're, they're using their imaginations, and they're trying to solve their problems. And I love that about them. They're very creative. They're very creative. And also, in this particular book, I liked the fact they wanted to run away, and they they had been wanting to run away for the longest time, and they just needed a reason. <laughs> and I mean, doesn't every child at some point want to run away? I know that my sisters and I, we grew up on a farm, and when we were pretty little, like three, four, and five, we had finally had it with winter. Mm-hmm. And we decided we were going to run away from the farm and find sunshine. Uh-huh. I mean, we thought our, it was totally our parents, you know, the, our parents had condemned us to the inside. <laughs> and so reading Ivy and Bean and having them plan and pack their most the most important things they could think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to have that bag of salt memories. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, how far did you get in your your uh, escape well, from winter? You know, I, I'm a writer as well as you, and I have um, I, I've written six books, and in one of my books called "Be the Star You Are," I told tell this story, and uh, we I, we got about a mile down the road. We packed our wagon, mm-hmm. and we packed with all the things that we thought were as important. Um, we had Monopoly money. Mm-hmm. We had our dinosaurs. We had our pogo sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, we had um, our dolls. We had a shovel. That was actually pretty good. Very practical. Our dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, no blankets, no clothes. My mom <laughs> handed us some sandwiches as we left, uh, just in case. You know. <laughs> that was and nice we got a mile down the road, and we found a big field of mustard, mm-hmm. you know, mustard flowers growing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was about, well, it seemed like it was in 100 feet tall, but it was probably 5 feet tall because it was taller than all of us. And we thought this would be a good place to camp. Mm-hmm. And there was a creek, and, you know, we threw pebbles, and we had a wonderful time, and we fell asleep. We made little rooms, and we stayed up, and, of course, we heard the coyotes, and the dog was barking. And anyway, the next morning we woke up in our beds. Aww. My dad had come, he let, they let us go, and they... They just watched us from a distance. And mm-hmm. When we were fast asleep, they gathered us up and brought us home. 
Mm-hmm. And we thought we had found Wonderland, oh, and it I turns bet. out we were only on our property. But, oh, well, but, but it's such a lovely story. But it was a mile down the road. But so it made me think, you know, here they're in the aquarium running away, mm-hmm. and all this stuff is happening to them. I mean, what an exciting adventure. Well, yeah, I mean, I think all kids make plans to run away at some point in their life. And, you know, I think Ivy and Bean, as you say, they have had just been waiting for the proper waiting opportunity. For the moment. Yeah, and then the aquarium seemed like just the place to go. Nice, dark, quiet. What more could you ask? But it doesn't turn out quite as they expected, as running away almost never does. Um, you know, when I ran away, I was really dumped by the having to cross the streets, which I knew was just this terrible problem. You know, I was going to get in such terrible trouble for crossing the streets. It didn't occur to me that if I truly succeeded in crossing the street, I would be running away and I wouldn't get in trouble. So, right. it, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, I think what's so interesting and what your book brings out is the beauty of kids is they're not thinking the whole thing through. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, they're kind of going with their hearts and in the moment and they're having fun, and their whole life revolves around what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And in, that, in actuality, as adults, can't we learn so much from that? Yes, and I think that that, that is something I feel very strongly about, is that the Ivy and Bean books, it's very important for me to, to portray their creativity respectfully because I do respect it, and that they have their vision, and they have their ideas, and their flexibility with their ideas is just wonderful. I honestly think that seven-year-olds are just at the pinnacle of life because they're so imaginative and so creative, and yet they're competent enough not to hurt themselves in acting their visions. And adults could learn a lot from that. You know, we just need to learn to listen. Yeah, and and to uh, you know be a little flexible in our expectations. I think um, kids 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 have to be flexible in their expectations. And um, you know, grown ups grown ups oftentimes don't pay as much attention to kids as they should as guides for their own life. I think. I think the kids are our best guides. Kids and animals. They, yeah. they kind of know the answers. To the universe without yeah. you know without having to worry about it the way we did. Uh, in fact, you have a great line in your book there that I don't know if it was Ivy or Bean that said it was like, "Darn it, I don't know what I would. I spent so much time worrying. You know, it was like <laughs> I wasted all that time, all that, all those moments. I could have been enjoying myself. There I was worrying. What a waste. What a waste. <laughs> and I thought, wow, what a brilliant assessment. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. You know, we can. We really just you need to live our lives the way we meant to live them. Mm-hmm. Well, right. I want to give out your website and send people there because. Not only do you have the Ivy and Bean books, but you're an author of other books as well. That's right, I am. But for for grown up people as for well as for people. small people, yeah, yeah. It's uh, anniebarrows.com. Very easy to find. And it's a n n i e b a r r o s dot com. And for all of you who want to send your kids there, I love the way you've written it for kids, so that it's lots and lots of fun. And, and it just makes it, you know, when you read it, it's not a yeah, boring bio. <laughs> They're going to be able to figure out exactly who you are. Well, thank you. Are you still there, Annie? Thank you for joining us. I think we have lost Annie. I am going to be back in a minute. This is Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are.
the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Is your sexual relationship satisfying? Do you have a nagging question about sex and you can't find the answer? Tune into Sex in Our Cities with hosts Donna Kane Francis and Robin Potter Kimball. Two advanced practice registered nurses are here to answer all of your questions about sex and relationships. Each issue will be presented in an objective, unbiased perspective designed to educate and empower you to make healthy decisions and bring about change in your life. Sex in Our Cities is broadcast live Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you wondering how to jumpstart your life while bringing more excitement and joy into every moment? Join the Goddess Gals, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, each week on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. You'll hear from the experts and authors that inspire and motivate you to be your greatest, unique self. Plus, in Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew, Cynthia and Heather tackle the topics and tips that make a difference. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio, Studio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thanks for staying with us. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And every week, Be the Star You Are showcases incredible authors and experts who enhance and inspire your life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy positive message programming such as this radio show and tools for living because there is an apathy sweeping our country and as a nation we have grown more accustomed to violence and chaos and abuse and a plethora of negative influences and since 1998 be the star you are has served stories of inspiration and hope through this radio program because we really believe that good books need to be available to everyone So believe that information infused with inspiration has the power to transform and change lives. You can visit the charity at BeTheStarYouAre.org. Well, what does Moses have to do with the United States of America? According to best-selling author of Walking the Bible, Bruce 
Feeler? The answer is everything. His newest book is America's Prophet, The Moses and the American Story. Welcome, Bruce, to Be the Star You Are. Uh, great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. You are getting tons of attention right now with your new book about how Moses shaped America. I can't, when I read the book, I keep thinking, I think Moses shaped just about the theories of most parts of the world. But tell us what inspired you to really focus on the United States and to go on this 10,000-mile walk to discover Holy Land right here in America. Exactly. Well, it was actually a, a similar journey in the Holy Land itself that kind of led me to this. As you mentioned, I had spent 10 years retracing the Bible through the deserts of the Middle East for Walking the Bible, which spent a year and a half on the New York Times bestseller list, Abraham. I hosted a show on PBS called Walking the Bible, and I was starting to spend more time at home. My wife had given birth to identical twin girls, and it was sort of almost by accident I kept discovering the Moses story. went to visit my in-laws in Boston, went on the Mayflower in Plymouth, and a reenactor was reading the Bible. And I said, well, what are you reading? And he said, oh, the Exodus. We read it when we were on the Atlantic. And I thought, really, oh, Moses in the middle of Thanksgiving, and we went to see my sister in Philadelphia. There's a quote from Moses on the Liberty Bell. I had never realized it. And then over and over again, uh, George Washington being compared to Moses, the Statue of Liberty modeled on Moses, Martin Luther King, of course, comparing himself to Moses the night before he died. For 400 years, one figure is the surprising symbol of America. One man has inspired more Americans than any other. His name is Moses, and I figured, you know what, I'm going to go on this journey Go to all the key points in American history and see what, why was it that this story has inspired so many people over the centuries. Well, and you get into your book about how Moses inspired the movement for the slaves to look for their freedom and how the, how the song became, you know, Go Down Moses and what became of that with the American slaves. I never had really put the connection together until I wrote, read America's Prophet, Moses and the American Story. Well, I, um, I mean, one of the things I did, as you know, was retrace the Underground Railroad. And, the, and that song, Go Down Moses, I mean, so many songs from the Exodus, Take Back Pharaoh's Army, I'm Bound for the Land of Canaan. For this, as one, one uh, descendant of slaves said to me, you know, slaves didn't get news by reading the newspaper. They got it by reading the Bible, and they looked in the Bible, and they said, wow, if Moses was a slave and could be free, I could so be can free, we. too. And, this, and the colonists said the same thing. On July 4, 1776, Congress asked Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, and John Adams to come up with a seal for the new United States. Six weeks later, they proposed that the seal, the great seal of America, be Moses leading the Israelites across the Red Sea, because he was the first person to lead a small band of, of beleaguered uh, people to free them, and they thought, well, we want to be like that. And so the, the story has, has continued to echo because, look, we're in troubled times now, and, and people feel that they are in a difficult place, and uh, we want to have the sense that, oh, we can make our lives better, we can get to a better world, we can get to a better tomorrow, we can get to a new promised land. And the Bible, the story in the Bible, gives us hope. And that's why you can't really separate the Bible from the American dream. 
Well, and when you were just talking about the founding fathers and how they were looking at, you know, America as the promised land, and they, according to what you're saying in the book, they were looking at um, the king of England, of uh, King George, as being like the pharaohs. They called him the Pharaoh on the on the on the Mayflower itself. The Pilgrims called King James the Pharaoh. And, King James, yes, yeah. You know, well, no, it was King George in the founding era. You were right about that. But I'm thinking with Thanksgiving coming up next week, and people are looking out, and, um, and you know, and one of the reasons I got motivated to do this was you keep hearing this idea of oh, you know, I can't talk to my nephew about this, or oh, my mother-in-law takes these stories too seriously, and, and kind of big holiday meals like Thanksgiving are sort of breaking down. And religion has sort of been uh, kind of hidden in the closet uh, away with uh, grandma's coat or something. And it's a shame because I really think that by looking at how Moses has united left, right, Democrat, Republican, Jew, Christian, it really shows that there is unity at, at the kind of core of the American idea. And I'd like to, with America's prophet, say, look, here's a way. You can talk about politics and religion at Thanksgiving and uh, and still have and still have peace and harmony and get to the pumpkin pie. Well, because I think what you just said, Bruce, is so clear: is that Moses is for all people. Yeah. This is we're not you're not looking at it just as a religious figure, really as a liberator of all people. So give it. So I, you know, I look at Moses as a bridge. He he fills the gap. I was just at a church last night in uh, Jacksonville speaking at a bridge institute, which was designed oh, to bring uh, people together. And, and that's why well, Cecil B. DeMille made the Ten Commandments, why it's the fifth highest-grossing movie of all time, because he really had Moses as a kind of great American icon. And in the very end of that movie, um, uh, Charlton Heston, playing Moses, climbs to the top of Mount Nebo, uh, turns to the camera, quotes the Liberty Bell, proclaim liberty throughout the land, even though that's from the book of Leviticus, nowhere near where Moses dies in Deuteronomy, and then recreates the pose of the Statue of Liberty. And that the Statue of Liberty with the spikes of light around her head and the tablet in her arms, both of those come from Moses, with Moses bringing the Ten Commandments down from Mount Sinai. And, and so in this great sort of icon of American uh, freedom, Moses really becomes a symbol of what America can give to the world, which is a, a, a bridging of, of biblical values and democratic values into well, the great idea I of America. Well, and I think what's so fascinating in your book and all the, I mean, first of all, it's really highly readable. It's a fun, it's not like, it's not dry history. It's, it's a fun romp. I mean, just when you were going on the Underground Railroad and climbing those stairs yeah. in the dark, and that was, I was scared with you. And uh-huh, here uh-huh. we're at a time when you're not a slave. But yes. I could just imagine what people were trying to do, you know, and how how fearful they must have been and how they were hoping for a, a, a Moses of today's time. But, you know, the other thing you're being compared to is you're getting a lot of uh, comparisons to Dan Brown's books yes. because of some of the codes and, like, the Masons. And uh, let's talk about that, some of the secret codes, the symbols, what, what that you found in your discoveries and how they relate to Moses. Well, I think that's exactly right. I think that, 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 that so many of the great icons have this Moses uh, connection, and um, certainly the uh, Masons, who were, of course, so central to the founding of America, of America, that all comes back to the idea of the tabernacle that comes from Moses at Mount Sinai, which then gets put into Solomon's temple, uh, and then the Masons build the temple. So the Masons absolutely trace their origins back to Moses. 
the Liberty Bell, which is one of the great icons of America. The Liberty Bell, that's got a quote from Moses on its side. The Statue of Liberty, as we just talked about, has a quote from Moses on its side. The Supreme Court of the United States has Moses on the frieze at the top, and there's a painting of Moses in the Supreme Court chamber itself, and even in the chamber of the House of Representatives, the House chamber, um, where the President gives the State of the Union. He's looking um, across, and what he looks at is there's a ring of 23 faces. Eleven look left, eleven look right. The only one looking out, the one staring at the President when he's giving the State of the Union, is Moses. Is Moses. Um, so it's all through, and nearly every president um, has, has used this story, from Washington to Lincoln to uh, FDR. George W. Bush told me personally in the Oval Office that he was inspired to run for the White House uh, by a sermon comparing him to Moses. Barack Obama, immediately after announcing he was going to run, com- uh, compared his journey to Joshua, finally taking us into the Promised Land. Moses is kind of an icon of American leadership because He's a human person. He's flawed, and yet he leads a free people, but also at times is alone on, on top of the mountain in a way that I think Moses uh, could, could relate to himself. And that's why I think that Moses is really the true founding father of America. And you know what? We should put him on Mount Rushmore. You know, it's funny. Oh, I, I, again, uh, when we talk about Moses, I don't watch much television, but I rented a DVD of uh, a popular Showtime series called Weeds, and there was a whole chapter. <laughs> oh, no, no Moses there, was there? Uh, there is, and I was laughing because I was reading your book at the same time, and I see this, uh, they have a, a scene, well, several scenes, where they're, they're the coyotes, guys that are leading Mexicans over the border to come into America. Uh. They, they dress like Moses, and they are calling themselves Moses, and they're saying, I am leading my people. Let my people go. We'll I go got hilarious. That is why I have to tell land. you. And I, I thought, oh, my gosh, here's Moses again, now in this television series, talking about bringing, you know, illegals to America. That is, I'll tell you one thing. After four years of doing this, I thought there's no way you could come up with a reference I hadn't heard of, and you just did. I love it. <laughs> well, you'll have to check it out. I think it was season four of Weeds. Amazing, but amazing. Again, but, you know, I probably wouldn't have paid attention to the, to the scene, except for you You have pointed out throughout your book, and again, we are speaking with Bruce, Bruce Fielder, yes. America's Prophet, Moses and the American Story. He is the best-selling author of walking the Bible as well, and it was just amazing, because I, I just started shouting, yes, Moses is everywhere! Yeah, that's hilarious, and that reminds me of Harriet Tubman, call, you know, basically calling herself the Moses of her people, and when she was leading slaves to freedom on the Underground Railroad, they put posters up around the South that said, wanted Moses, dead or alive. Uh, so here, back in the founding era, they wanted Moses on the seal, and now in the South, they wanted him locked back up in shackles. Well, and she was, she put um, this that verse that when she wanted people to know that there was danger in the area yeah. and don't just you know for the slaves stay put don't come there she used that verse Moses go down in Egypt tell the Pharaoh let my people go you know hadn't been for what is it Adam fall shouldn't have died at all or something so she was she was was considered the Moses of her people. And then they used, the, the slaves used these the spirituals basically to send coded messages. So the whites said, oh, wow, they're worshiping our God. But in fact, they were saying, ooh, a conductor is coming on Tuesday, and uh, who wants to be, who wants to try to escape uh, 
uh, this month. And it's just one of the many ways, from the Pilgrims to the Founding Fathers, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement, that this story has inspired people by saying, you know what, there, someone did it before you. Somebody else was in a difficult place and managed to use the story to find inspiration. And so that's what, you know, what I say to my daughters uh, who really inspired this journey is these were the people we're talking about, the Pilgrims, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King. These people weren't born great. They were ordinary people who found in this story something to call them to greatness. And so I tell my daughters that you can imagine your own promised land. You can plunge through those waters. You can persevere through the dryness. And you may fall short. In the end, of course, Moses doesn't quite make it to the promised land. But even though he doesn't make it, the dream um, the dream stays alive. Well, and his dream stayed alive, and his memory stayed alive for what he stood for, but even though he never did get there, because he just he always believed that there was the promised land and that we deserved it. And uh, what you just said is so important, that there is a promised land for all of us if we can really get in touch with who we are and where we're going. So when you read this book, we're not just reading or you read the Bible, you're not just reading old stories, you're reading something that is applicable to every one of us today. And I think that's what I keep finding, is, is that every generation has found in the story of Moses um, a reason uh, to, to summon themselves to greatness. And in every hard time, people have gone back to the story. And now, when, of course, everybody, um, everybody listening to us has, knows people going through a hard time and needing a sense of hope, and we can say, look, the Bible, this is a story of hope. This year we are slaves. Um, next year we can be free. That, that, that pure sense of next year it can be better. Next year, but it really it calls on us. We can't just sit back and wait for others to do it. Each of us has to become, in effect, uh, our own Moses. Well, and I think that that just shows how important that we all know that there is an exodus. Uh, there is an exit. When times are, yes. are tough, we can have our own exodus as long as we can believe in it and work towards it. And that's become basically the heart of the American dream, that, that, that we can continue to make a better world. And that's why Moses is the heart of it, which is why my book is called America's Prophet, Moses and the American Story, because Moses is so central to that story, because he is the one that everybody, has, from Christopher Columbus to, uh, to, the, to the front page of the newspaper today, we've all found hope in Moses and his ability to reinvent himself for every generation is what, you know, what I like to say about the Bible is it's perpetually now. It's, well, you say in your book, uh, America's Prophet, that the, real, the story of Moses and America, it's, it's really a cinnamon, uh, a cinnamon a, um, it's synonymous with human possibility. So it's the dream. It's that we can all have the dream if we believe in the possible. Not America, as Du Bois put it, but what America can be. And I think of Moses as the patron saint of what America can be. He keeps alive. In fact, the person who, um, the, the, the theologian who ha used that phrase, uh, I, I came to see me give a talk in Cincinnati uh, on Tuesday night, and he really said that Moses kind of keeps alive the ministry of imagination. I just love that idea. Oh, that's a great line. The ministry of imagination. That well, wonderful? with that, Bruce, I love this. Moses is the minister of imagination. 
We the book is America's Prophet. We've been talking to Bruce Feeler. It's America's Prophet Moses and the American Story. Let's get to your website if you would, so that people uh, can yeah, go Bruce there. Feiler, B R U C E Feiler F E I L E R Bruce dot com. I answer every email. Oh, so I don't you love that? He answers every email. www.brucefeiler.com, F-E-I-L-E-R, again, America's Prophet. Bruce, it's been a joy. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And thank, thank you. you happy so holidays much and, um, and a wonderful warm season. Thank you. And keep the discussions going. You know, go down, Moses. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thanks to all of you for being great listeners and allowing me into your life each week. Make sure you stay tuned to this station. For all the personal growth, success coaching, expert advice, and great authors and books, you can change your life and make your dreams come true. May you go out into the world, give gratitude for what you have, and make this week a special week. It is Thanksgiving every day when you look in the mirror and admire yourself. Until we celebrate again next week, I am Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you, encouraging you to be the star you are. We'll talk next week. Have a Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seer, a dreamer, courage to...